Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. here at Trinity Life Church, and we're so excited you guys are here this morning. If you're new with us, you get a uh, connection card in your program, and just fill that out and place it in the offering bag as it goes by after the sermon um, uh, during our response time, and just put whatever information you're comfortable with on there. I mean, you don't have to give us all your details. We're not going to hound you. It's just, uh, if you want to connect, we want to connect with you, and Machine emails, set up coffee, lunch, answering questions. If Trinity Life, this is your church, or if it's not your church, write a prayer request on there too if you want. If you want to be grateful this week over something specific, feel free to write that down, and the leadership of the church uh, will pray for you this week. So, alright, we are in the second week of our Rethink series. And like Daniel said earlier, this series is, is all about um, understanding what our faith is. So we're going to the book of 1 Corinthians, and Paul the Apostle is writing to a brand new church in the city of Corinth in this book. And he's going through all these issues that, that, that they're dealing with, and he's, and he's addressing each one of them. And so we entitled this, we think, uh, and it a letter to the church in Toronto. Because we really feel like this year, as we go through the book of 1 Corinthians, it's going to be a very uh, prophetic year for us in the sense that we're going to hear some hard things in the church, things that we that God needs to tear up in us, things that He needs to build up in us, um, and uh, things that we need to do in order to be the church in our city in Toronto. Uh, also, this is going to be a huge year of discipleship. Like I said last week, it's not funny to say that as a church because that's what churches should be about, um, making disciples who make disciples. This is the great commission that Jesus leads the disciples at the end of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 28. Uh, but we feel like over the past few years, we've been focusing on other things, and this year we really want to work on developing disciples and leaders and people who make disciples, and this book is going to show us how to do that. So, last week, we talked about identity, and what we're doing is going through a three-week vision series, Identity, Destiny, Today, and we talk about influence next week. And if you've been around Trinity Life for any length of time, uh, you know that's our vision statement for our church, for our city. It's discovering identity and destiny in Christ in order to influence our city and the world. That's in a very specific order. Identity in Christ is foundational to who you are in Jesus, to who we are as a church. If we get that wrong, then we're going to mess up destiny. If we get destiny wrong, we're going to mess up influence. If all that's wrong, we're just, we may not be the church, I don't know. <laughs> so, we talked about destiny, I mean identity last week, and we're building off of that who we are in Jesus, and we're going to talk about destiny this week. And really what I want to do 
is, is give you, what we're doing through this, this series, is give you a pair of glasses, lenses to look through, okay? Um, you know, the better part of the last four years I spent with Daniel. Um, and when I first met Daniel, he's wearing his glasses. And I thought, man, that guy's cool. I'm gonna work with that guy. Yeah, I'm very superficial. We're my best friend. <laughs> uh, we just moved to the city, you know, that's a lot of you know our story. We just moved to Toronto four years ago, and, uh, and I met Daniel two weeks after we moved here. His family just moved to the city. We moved to the same city to find a church, do the same thing at the same time in the same city. And we said, why are we doing this together? And I saw him and I was like, yeah, that's cool with yeah. um, But if you've ever met with Daniel, you don't get us so much up here, but if you've ever met with him, like for coffee or in his house or, or wherever, he almost wears his glasses on his head as much as he does on his face. Right? You guys laugh you know that's true. He has a permanent nose markers in his head right here. Right? But he's preaching here with his mom here, but normally he's like up here. So much so that I remember somebody asking him, and they were weird glasses. They're like, are those real? And you just wear them because they look cool. Uh, but they're real. Uh, he, he needs them. Um, but he uses them to look cool both ways. <laughs> a lot of us, a lot of you guys, you have the glasses on. But you're just wearing them up here. What we're doing in this series is bringing them down here. Okay? Some of you guys, don't even have the glasses yet. You don't even know you need a prescription. You're seeing things blurry and you just think the world is that way. I want to give you glasses as you walk through this book in First Corinthians. Okay? So those of you guys, you know, you know who you are, get your glasses up here. So start, let's start working them down. Identity did that. Today we're going to talk about destiny. It's going to do that. And the reason we root everything in Christ, identity in Christ, destiny in Christ, is because the Apostle Paul does that. So let me read you the first nine verses of uh, 1 Corinthians. We did it last, last week, we did the first three, this week we're doing the next, whatever it is, I can't do math while I'm talking up here, so three plus five. <laughs> nine verses, so you're, we're going to see, <laughs> okay, we're going to see that. In the first nine verses, yeah, yeah, put up my version. We'll, we're going to see that he mentions Christ Jesus 11 times. And then he mentions God a few times too. So, look at the bowl. This is Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. And I put the prepositions in bold as well because they're highly significant. So, an apostle of Christ Jesus and a brother Sophonies to the church of God that is in corn, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those from every place, call upon the name of our Lord Christ Jesus, both their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give my thanks, or I give thanks to my God, always for you, because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you are enriched in him, in all speech and knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not again given to the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ who was sustained to the end, guiltless 
and the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You can't help but read that and see that he's repeating Jesus over and over and over and over again. And why do you think Paul begins a letter to the church this way? Why do you think he needs to repeat of Jesus, in Jesus, Christ Jesus our Lord, over and over and over again? Why do you think I repeat it over and over and over again? It's because we forget. It's because the church has forgotten. They're a young church. We're a young church. They're a young church. And they've already forgotten. And he's reminding them of the beauty and grandeur and necessity of their identity and destiny in Christ Jesus, of who they are in Jesus. Now I need to read those nine verses and see that he's and he's just hammering it over and over and over again. And we just tend to be that way. We just forget. We start to, even as Christians, we start to face our identity in other things. And we start to, to be destiny differently. Um, now let's, let's talk about the bottom line of today's sermon. So if you're new with us this morning, every, every sermon I have is bottom line. I want you to remember, if you remember anything else, I want you to remember this. This statement, your destiny is determined by your destination. So let me break that down to you. What is destiny? Um, now that I've heard, yeah, here we go. So destiny are the things that, is the things that will necessarily happen to a particular person or group of people in the future, okay? And what we're doing with destiny, sometimes this word is very esoteric, it's very abstract, it's, you know, our culture is hijacked it. We want to say, no, you have a certain destiny in Christ Jesus. And guess what? Just like all of us have the same unique identity in Christ, remember, our uniqueness in Christ doesn't depend on us, it depends on Him. He is unique. And our unique identity in Christ, we have the same destiny in Christ. It's the same for everybody. Okay? We're going to walk through that in this passage. But we all have the same destiny in Christ Jesus. And I said your, your destiny is uh, going to be determined by your destination. Your destination is, is literally the purpose for which something is destined. Okay? Your destination is the purpose for which you're destined. Christ Jesus is our destination. Okay, that's why our destiny is in Christ. So remember that after walking through this passage this morning. Go back to that first statement. Yeah, your destiny is determined by your destination. Alright, let's jump into the passage. So this is uh, Paul, he loves this church, and, and he started this church back in, you can read about it back in Acts chapter 18 or 19, one of those. Um, and he started this church, and so this church is very much like his, his child, and he's trying to conform it to the image of the cross, and that's what he's doing, uh, beginning verse 4 here. He says, I give thanks to my God always for you, because of the grace of God that was given in Christ Jesus. And Tracy, can you throw up that? Just throw up the regular passage. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then you guys can just follow along. So, remember the grace of God. He's already talked about God's grace. Grace is simply defined as unmerited faith. So we didn't earn this. God gave us to us, but we didn't earn it. Right? Um, but like I said last week, this is a very simple definition and a very superficial 
just barely scratching the surface definition of grace. Grace is so much more comprehensive and so much more amazing and so much more powerful than just the words unmarried favor allow us to, to believe. Um, grace is anything you could ever think of that you that you need uh, or or yeah, God has given it to you. And this is this is undeserving, unmerited. We would never ever be able to work to deserve it, and he's saw fit in his choice to give it to us. And that's the grace of God we have, he says, in Christ Jesus. And this is a part of the, the lens, your prescription this morning. It's for you to realize that the lens that you're seeing through means that everything that you have is from God by the grace of God. And so if you are a Christian at this point, if you're a believer, if you uh, even if you're even if you're not, you, you should recognize this that everything you have is by the grace of God. The very breath you're breathing right now is only because God has seen fit to give it to you. Your job, your home, your family, your children, your significant other, your friendships, your anything you can think of, it's it's through God's grace that He's given this to you. Okay, and that's, that's part of our lens as uh, our, our destiny in Christ, that we realize this. Um, and then going into verse 5, he says that in every way you were enriched or you were made rich. Okay, that's just what that means. Enriched, made rich in him, in Christ Jesus, in all speech and all knowledge. So basically, what, it, what he's saying here, and so all speech and all knowledge, these, this, these words can literally be translated as, as a truth. So truth, he's saying truth taught and truth received. So we've been enriched in, in all of this, that we have been taught the truth, we've been given the truth, and we have the knowledge of it. We've received the truth. Okay? And this is highly significant because He's saying that the church, in Christ Jesus, we have the truth. And I was talking to someone this morning right before service, and it was a really, she's a really powerful, amazing journey of faith. And I just, it was a few minute interchange where I heard bits and pieces of it. But she was talking about how there's so many lies out there that she was duped by, and now she knows the truth, and she's seen clearly for the first time ever, maybe, in a long time ever, and, and there's such a powerful testimony of what the truth in Christ does, how it just gives you a clear lens to view all of life. And that's what Paul's getting at here, this, that we have this clear lens. And what's amazing here is he's writing this to the church in Corinth, and they don't have, they have most of this book here, but they don't have all of it yet. So in some ways, we, or in a lot of ways actually, we have a leg up uh, to the church in Corinth because we have the completed word of God and they have the spirit of God, just like we have the spirit of God with us, dwelling in us, dwelling in our presence. We have the spirit of God and they have that book. They don't have the completed word of God and we do. And this is our, this is our lens. But for many of us, we're just wearing this on top of our we know we have it. You have 
And we live in a country where we have free access to this. And you have the Word of God laying on your nightstand, laying on your desk, you have it on your phone, which is always with you. You always have the Word of God anywhere you go, but you're still wearing it on your head. We're still not looking through the lens of the scriptures. No, we're still not looking through the lens of truth. We're looking through the lens of lies, of falsehood, of, of what the world is teaching us. And Paul's saying, no, 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 you've been made rich in Christ, in truth, taught and truth received, in all speech and in all knowledge. And he's referring to these spiritual gifts, I believe, which we'll talk about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 when we get there in like nine months. <laughs> um, <laughs> hopefully we'll get that. But um, yeah, we'll we'll get there and we'll talk about that. And then he says, this is the purpose in, in verse 6. Even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. This is the purpose of those gifts. This is the purpose of this truth. This is because the testimony of Christ is confirmed among you. And it's really neat here how it says, among you, not within you. Because it gives a sense of a corporate identity, not just an individual identity. Now, of course, individuals make up the corporate, but it says the testimony of Christ is confirmed among you, in the church, with the church. But like I said, it's, there is a sense where it's also confirmed in each of us, right? That we're, we're all ministers of reconciliation, we're all ambassadors for Christ, and he's confirming that testimony in us. That's huge. That should actually, if you, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, that's, that should actually weigh you down. You should be like, wow. The testimony of Christ is confirmed by me. The testimony of Christ is confirmed by the church I'm a part of. That's, that's crazy. That, that means that in your workplace, in your neighborhood, the person sitting next to you this morning, your friends, you may be the only Jesus they see. That you are confirming their Christ Jesus testimony to them. And if they know you're a follower of Jesus, they're interpreting Christ by seeing you. And if they don't know you're a follower of Jesus, that's, that's even worse because you consider yourself one. So we're and think about think about this. Like I do, I do a lot of stupid and every time I do something dumb, I think, oh man, what are they going to think about that? If, if, what are they going to think about Jesus when I just did that? What are they going to think about Jesus now? And that should be our thought. And that should, yes, be a weighty thought, but it should be a thought that is empowering to us. Because like, like Paul just said, we have everything we need. By the grace of God, he's given us everything, all speech, all knowledge, the truth, he's given us those things. And the truth is, we know we mess up a lot. The truth is, we know we're sinners. The truth is, in our weakness, Christ's strength is shown, Christ's power is made manifest. And when we do mess up, we can point to point with Christ in that way. And that's the truth that you have, and that's your destiny in Christ. When I say that our destiny in Christ is the same, because we all have that truth. We all, there's certain things that happen to us because our destination is Jesus. And when I say our destination is Jesus, a lot of, a lot of Christians think your destination is heaven. Um, 
But heaven's not heaven if Jesus isn't there. Heaven, heaven is only heaven because God's presence is there. So, so our destination is Jesus. And, and because of that, there's certain things in your life that will necessarily happen to you. And this is one of those things that the testimony of Christ will be and is confirmed by God and among us. And a few years ago, well, I don't know, 20, when we were in Libya, 2012, 13, 2013. Um, 2013, Missy and I went to Libya. So this was post Gaddafi, Gaddafi regime had fallen. It was chaos, still is. We were there in 2013, it was nuts. Um, yeah, I think it was just crazy. Um, war zone, militia controlling everything, or different militias controlling different things. And uh, we were Tripoli, and um, we, we had friends there, and we went out to see these ruins. Some of the most well-preserved Roman ruins are right outside of Tripoli in Lithuania. And uh, we were like, should we go out? Should we go outside the city? It's less safe. Should we go outside? I mean, we had to drive home an hour or two, I don't remember, um, maybe less. And it's just through the desert, right? It's just sand and the Mediterranean. So we were like, should we go out there? It's, it's kind of dangerous, but we decided to. Um, we do nothing like that. So we decided to go out. And as we're going out, my buddy Casey, he is. He's like on Autobahn, just driving like crazy. Like he was driving. There's, there's a, I met this guy in Tripoli when we were there, and he stopped me on the street and he was like, you, you American? And I said, yeah. Uh, and, and he said, uh, we want to be like America. No laws. He's like, we want freedom. And I was like, uh, that's not exactly how freedom works. Um, and it was just crazy because no cost for freedom. They lived under a dictator since the 40s, right? Um, and the whole generation grew up with no cost for freedom. So we're driving out, no laws, no cops, stop there, guys, no speed limit, whatever. We're driving out, and we're driving fast. I mean, if you've seen movies uh, where they're in the Middle East, uh, drive, they say you drive fast, you make sure no one follows So we're just driving fast. Maybe you just want to drive and uh, all of a sudden, this, this envoy passes this like, black SUV, suburban, whatever. And they're driving like even faster, right? They're passing us. They're just, they zoom past us. And immediately, you know who they are. They're the American Embassy. And you see the diplomatic markings, you see the, they're very well equipped. <laughs> um, they're, they're all driving a straight line. Uh, you see their license plates say who they are, their flags say who they are, all that. And they didn't care. Right? They're in Libya. Okay? This is like a war zone. But they don't care. They're going to fly the flag and say, hey, if you want to do something about it, do something about it. So they passed us, and I'm like, oh man, this is so cool. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, America! <laughs> I won't go But so we actually get to our um, to the ruins, and they were at the ruins. And immediately I felt safe. I'm like, this is awesome. Like they're here, I feel safe now. Because they have 
they have all the guidance. I guess one of the different ads I wanted to see from this. So it's funny, at one point I went on top of one of the ads. It's like, hey, I'm American. He likes to always say. This is, this points to what's, what's called eschatology, 
in the Christian faith is just ology being studied of, and then eschatos being last things. So, <coughs> so whereas my biology is pretty wide, it's the study of the last things. So this points to an eschatological reality of the Christian faith. Okay? This is that Jesus has come, and where it's already, like, salvation is here, already, but there's this not yet portion of the Christian faith that we're waiting for. This word is waiting, and means we're welcoming it, we're, we're receiving it, we're waiting for it. And, and so we have this already not yet kind of play happening here. And it, picture this, okay, it's like, think of salvation like this. So let's say all the world is on a boat, and we're all sinking. The boat is sinking with a hole in the whatever, and there is a word, the hull. There's a hole in the hull, and it's, is that right? Yeah. The hull. All right, yeah, yeah, there we go. Um, the boat is sinking, and we're all going down, and then there's a lifeboat. Salvation is a lifeboat force. And you, if you're in Christ, you're in the lifeboat. But now what? <laughs> now you're in open seas. <laughs> is that better than being in a sinking ship? Um, that's, what we, that's what we have to decide. Um, now we're in a lifeboat, and this is our presence. And there's a storm. There's storms on the seas. There's sharks in the water. We don't have a lot of water, do we? We don't have a lot of food. Um, we have one of you is saying, we're all going to die. Um, maybe a few of you are saying that. Uh, and so we're dealing with that guy. And we're just, we're just stuck in this boat. And that is that's the present. And we're waiting for the not yet, the consummation, the revealing of Christ Jesus. And in the awesomeness, awesome analogy, that's land. Right? That's, that's, the, that's, that's um, the shore. That solid ground. And so a lot of times in this life, it can feel like we're just in the stormy seas and we're, we're nauseous at times. That guy's yelling at us, he's saying we're going to die, and he's like telling lies, and, and we're like, oh, is he right? Um, and we're in this life boat just in the sea. And it's hard, right? The Christian faith, don't be fooled. The Christian faith is not entrance into an easy life. It's entrance into the abundant life. It's entrance into a good, a bright life. It's entrance into your identity and your true destiny. But it's not necessarily an easy life. That doesn't mean there's, you don't have peace and joy always. I believe that as a Christian, you always have that. Sometimes it's harder to find than at other times. But it doesn't mean it's easy. The past four years since we moved to Toronto have been the hardest, most difficult time in our marriage, our 12 year marriage, our ministry, our raising our kids, living in a new city, a new country. Uh, I go on and on. It's been the most difficult time for us in our life, but it has been the most spiritually rewarding, fruitful, abundant, amazing. I can go on and on. Time in our in our lives, and I don't know why those things sometimes go hand in hand. Except that Jesus said, "When you follow me, there's an, and I'm your destination. Your destiny is in me. There's certain things 
that are going to happen to you. And those certain things are, you will be persecuted because I was persecuted. But you will have an abundant life because I've shown you how to live by the power of the Spirit. And the reason last four years has been so amazing for us is because we know we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And it doesn't matter whatever comes our way, we have this perspective on that says we're doing what Christ wants us to do. And, and but I meet with a few of you guys every week who are just struggling through life, who are just, just struggling with whatever it is. Um, I mean, you'd be amazed at, I just think this week, I mean, how many tears were shed this week just in people who were just trying to figure this out? They cried, I cried. I mean, a lot of crying happened this week. <laughs> um, and you guys are just, you're, you're struggling because you're in this lifeboat. And you look at that sinking ship, and you're, you're like the psalmist, and you say, why are they prospering? Why does it look like the wicked are the ones prospering? Why does it look like the unrighteous have the blessing? And I'm over here struggling with life. Well, it's because you know the truth, and you're in the lifeboat. And it's actually, remember, it's still better to be in the boat that is, remember, it's a lifeboat, it's life, than to be in a sinking ship. And some of you might say, well, ignorance is, is bliss, right? That's a cool movie quote from The Matrix. Uh, <laughs> he, there's one guy that makes you see who realizes, like, I never wanted to be enlightened. It was just worse for me. I want to just be like everybody else and go back to that old way. And he said, ignorance is bliss. And you have to make that choice because in Christ, we have all speech and all knowledge. We have the truth taught and received. And that changes the way you view life. Okay? And we're in this life boat eagerly awaiting the shore. And it's so awesome. He says that the testimony of Christ is confirmed among us. Do you guys know what Christ means? Christ means the Messiah. Christ means the chosen one, the anointed one. And, and when Paul uses that word, he's tying together all of scripture from Genesis all the way up to this point. All of history has been waiting for this person to invade history, the Messiah. And when he says that we are in Christ, that we are in the Messiah, that's so incredibly powerful because all of creation has been craning their necks looking for him to come. And all of us have been waiting for this redemption, and he's finally here, and we have him, and he's saved us from the sinking ship, and he's put us in this lifeboat, and the reason it's not easy is because some of us, we say, I believe in you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I want you, Jesus. But you still haven't given up everything to follow Jesus. You say, I love you, Jesus. I want you, Jesus. But you're still not a follower of Jesus. You may be you may believe in Jesus, but you're not actually following him. You're the guy in the boat that says, we're going to die out here, instead of one in the boat that says, I know land is coming. We just have to survive until that. 
And Paul is painting this picture for us here. And he goes back into uh, verse 8. Because the question is, why would we want that? If you're not a believer in this point, you're like, I don't know, maybe you're going to sit with us. Why would I want that? If you are a Christian in this point, you're like, ah, this is so hard. I'm saying, why would we want that? Because of this. And verse 8 says, because Jesus Christ, who will sustain you, to the end. He will keep you. He will hold you. He will sustain you to the end. A few years ago, I was in this lake, and I was swimming out to this raft. Not a raft, like a floating thing. Like a platform in the water. Okay? And um, I was carrying Emerson. Emerson wanted to go out there. Emerson's six now. She's probably two or three dead. And I'm like, I'm a strong swimmer. Like, yeah, yeah. I was like, I used to surf. I can do this. It's not that fun. Right? Um, and so I, I take Emerson in my arms, and I'm swimming out there. Halfway through, I'm like, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> One is going to be honest, not me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I didn't do anything. <laughs> uh, so I was like, this is not good. Um, but this is a picture of Jesus. He's like, I'm going to sustain you, I'm going to keep you. I'm doing everything I have in my power to bring you to solid ground. And I don't know what it was, because we were going to die out there, but we got to the platform just barely. I remember reaching, reaching for her, and I think Adam was on the platform. And I was around, and I put Emerson up, and I went under, and I put her up, and he grabbed her, and then I came back up. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I don't think anyone knew that I was about to die. I knew. <laughs> Like, I'm going to do what I did. So we left every snap, but I found out myself. We had to leave around there. We went out there. Um, so, so, a little canoe or, yeah, whatever. Um, kind of. Um, but this is the picture of Jesus. Like, he's going to sustain us and keep us to the end. And even if he has to go on, he's going to lift us up. And he says this. Uh, and we're going to be guiltless, we're going to be blameless, we're going to be unchargeable in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know how powerful that truth is? That you are blameless in Christ Jesus? That there is nothing impure about you when God sees you because you're clothed in His righteousness. That's what you have in Christ. And this is not, this is a full pardon. This is not a commutation of your sentence. It's not a commutation of your consequences that you still have a, a full part of means that you don't have this any longer, that it's like you didn't even commit the crime. That you didn't even commit the transgression, that the sin was never even there, that Christ's blood covers it so cleanly that it was like it was never even there, that you never even did any wrong. That's what we have in Christ Jesus. We're guiltless, we're blameless. What is, what's your destination? Is your destiny in Christ? Is, is He your destination? Or is your destination your career? Is your destination your family? Is it a sin? Is it pornography? Is, it, uh, is, is your destination greed? Is your destination success? Is your destination... Um, the illness you struggle with. What is your destination? Remember, whatever your destination is, is, is going to determine
determine what your destiny is. And when Christ is your destination, that changes everything. Back in, I think, 2006 or seven, I can't remember, missing out in Chicago, um, one of our closest friends lived in Chicago. His name is Nathan, he's been up here before. Um, and he lived in Wheaton, actually. Uh, where's Elizabeth? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Naperville, the house. Um, so, <laughs> that was like, I got that from the 80s. <laughs> so, and he's like so excited to visit me. He's like, hey guys, let's go to this really grand museum. And we're like, uh, that's okay. Billy <laughs> really Grand is cool and all, but I don't think there's going to go to the museum. You know? He's like, no, 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 it's really cool. It's free. Let's just hang out there one day. And he convinced us. I don't want to make him feel too bad because he likes things like that and all that. So uh, we go, and it literally changed my life. <laughs> so here's a picture of me. Um, I'm feeling very busy preaching at his pulpit. Yeah, don't, don't judge my outfit there. Here's, here's Missy. <laughs> Being a little blasphemous. But you know, uh, here's my buddy Nathan. Being a little. Um, We got that picture in one shot. It was pretty good. Um, what stuck out to me in the museum was this moment in Billy Graham's life. If you don't know who Billy Graham is, he is this, he was this worldwide international evangelist, and so many people came to Christ through his faithful service. This moment in his 20s, and a lot of you guys in your 20s, this moment in his 20s where he said, God, I'm going to do whatever you want me to do, and I want to go wherever you want me to go. And he gave up everything, and he said, it's all for you, Jesus. And I say it changed my life because at that moment, we decided to say the same thing. And I was 20, you know, in my mid-20s, almost 10, yeah, that's my 10 years And we decided as a couple, before we had kids, we said, we're going to do whatever you want us to do, God. No questions asked. We just want to be your vessels. And we decided, doesn't matter what it's going to look like, what our family thinks, what the world thinks, how crazy it looks, we're going to follow you, Jesus, because you are our destiny, because you are our identity. And we don't care about our own passion, we don't care about our own desires, we don't care about our own comfort. We're going to follow you wherever you and that's the main reason we're here. That's the main reason we moved to Toronto. Have you said that? If you're a follower of Jesus, have you said to God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. It doesn't have to be, like, it's not just pastors who say this. It's not just international evangelists who say this. This is a calling for every single Christian. If you're going to follow Jesus, everybody says this. If you don't say this, you're actually not following Jesus. You guys are so consumed with the world. We're so attracted to what the world has to offer, even in Christ. 
But your destiny is not in the world. It's in Christ. The world is just an object thing that are fleeting and fading and ephemeral and always going to be gone. Never satisfied. Maybe the showing this awesome truth in the scriptures. And when Jesus first begins his before he begins his ministry, this is Matthew chapter 4. He goes in the wilderness, and Satan, the enemy, the devil, he comes to tempt him. And, he, and Satan brings him up to this high mountain, and he says, He shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. He says to Jesus, Just bow down and worship me, and I will give you all of that. And Jesus said, Respond to the scripture, he says, You shall serve the Lord your God alone. Satan flees from him in that moment, because he knows that who Jesus is. The very next chapter, when Jesus begins the ministry, he is sent to a different mountain. And he offers the kingdom of heaven. And he doesn't say, Blessed are the rich. He doesn't say, Blessed are those who, who want comfort. He doesn't say, Blessed are those who are happy. He doesn't say, Blessed are those who are proud. He says, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. He says, blessed are those who mourn. He says, blessed are those who are peacemakers. He says, blessed are those who seek me. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is uh, the earth. They shall be comforted. They shall be blessed. And he takes the world, which makes sense to us, and he flips it and teaches us the kingdom of heaven, which doesn't make sense. And we're just learning it. He says, that's your new destiny. That's your new destination. And Paul finishes this, this passage in verse 9, and he says, faithful is God. Our translations say God is faithful. In the Greek, he fronts faithful for an emphasis. He says, faithful is he. He's faithful to us to the end. And he says, we have this fellowship with Jesus Christ. This, this word uh, communicates uh, commonality and unity. It's one of the most profound statements in all of Scripture. Like you can read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, over and over and over for the rest of your life, and still not reach the depths of what it means to you. Because in its profundity, he's saying that we have something in common with him. Just think about that. You, an infinite, ephemeral creation, have something in common with the infinite, eternal creator. And that happens in Christ Jesus. That's the power of God in you. That's the power of God in us as a church. Kathleen in our VLG this past week, our small group, um, she's here this morning, I haven't seen her. Um, she said, it's like this. It's like when a prince is born to a king, he knows he's a child of the king. From the beginning, from the birth, he knows he's a child of the king. But as he grows up, he has to realize his identity. He has to realize his destiny. He has to realize who he was made to be. 
You are a child of the King. Whether you are in Christ or not, you are a child of the King. Your journey in life is figuring that out. And if you are in Christ, you've been reborn as a prince. Now all you gotta do is live like that. And if you are not in Christ this morning, if you're still figuring this out, I encourage you to take that step and just say, I want to believe this truth. I want to believe that I'm a child of the King and I'm a Prince of Heaven because of Christ Jesus. And I want to learn how to live in that. And that's your, just a big step in your journey of faith. And if you are in Christ, just know that, that you have commonality with Christ Jesus, fellowship through the Spirit in Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for those ministries. They're so powerful. We would just grasp them. We would just, just understand and fill our minds with that. We would just hide your word in our hearts and we would just dwell richly in your word. We would just let the peace of Christ reign in our hearts and rule in our hearts. So I pray that everybody here this morning, that the peace of Christ would be in them, that it would be among us, that it would reign in us, and that you would just trim us on these lives at the end, and give us the right lenses and the glasses to see the truth. We love you, Jesus. We ask all these things. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.